0: Greetings and welcome to another edition of AUHSD Future Talks. I'm your host, Michael Matsuda, superintendent of the Anaheim Union High School District. And as our 7,000 plus podcast listeners know, this show is dedicated to the future of education for all of our young people, not just in AUHSD, but uh, across uh, the United States. So, uh, and we've been very uh, lucky to have amazing speakers, beginning with our wonderful teachers and students, but also with college presidents and CEOs, and today we have a definite heavyweight in education, Michael Fullan. Michael, welcome to the
1: show. Thank you, Mike. It's such, uh, now that we're working together, I can't get enough of you, so I'm (laughs) glad to have this opportunity.
0: It's, uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to this one for sure, this uh, future talk. Uh, Just for our audience uh, and uh, who... I don't know who this amazing man is, and I can't imagine that, but Michael Fullan is the Global Leadership Director for New Pedagogies for Deep Learning. And what that is, is a worldwide network involving several nations focusing on educational reform. And really, it's all about helping to achieve the moral purpose of all children learning. Michael is the author of 45 books and counting, and uh, including uh, books that have inspired all of us, like The Principle, Spirit Week, and Coherence. So his work has really influenced us, AUHSD, and leaders across the world. So I want to get right into it, Michael. Uh, in fact, hot of the press uh, is an Ed Week article that came out titled We Can't Escape the Status Quo in Education. And in it, uh, you talk about um, a big part of making this successful is to figure out how to make individual and group interests and actions fuse or at least work together. System change is a collective matter. But here is my worry, my mystery, if you like, even when change is badly needed, it enforces pull us back to pockets of the status quo or worse the content of the strategy. Michael, what do you mean by the content of the strategy?
1: Well, the strategy, what I mean is the policies and the actions that are intended to change the system. And almost, I'm sure everyone agrees for the last 50 years that the current educational system needs transformation. So that's not even a debate that quite whether it's needed. Uh, so what I'm talking about is what content of strategy and conditions in action will actually bring about that change. We have to define what that change is. That's a key thing.
0: So you, in this article, and I think in many others, obviously you point out that many people are concerned about mental health and well-being. But I think that one of the things that you talk about is that this new strategy has infused well-being and learning. And I think you're you're definitely you go and talk about deep learning the ability to learn how to learn to know oneself and care about the other in the environment how is uh well-being and learning fused in your
1: mind i want to uh, mike back into that or step back and get back into it uh, because i think it requires a little bit of context Uh, i worked uh, with the premier of ontario for a decade at the beginning of this century uh, implementing improving literacy and numeracy high school graduation in Ontario province. And we have 5,000 schools. we had uh, <clears throat> 2 million students and the, the, uh, the literacy and numeracy was not doing well. The high school graduation was at 64%. This is 2003. So we did for uh, 10 years worked at that uh, from the, the government level to the three levels, the districts, 72 districts and the schools. And uh, we're successful. That is, all three of those indicators went went up in a in a strong way. So in 2010, I was overconfident. I said, or 2013, I said, we've really uh, done it on a fairly large scale. And in fact, in California, the Stewart Foundation started to send up uh, groups of uh, of uh, leaders from California, from the teachers union, from uh, the <clears throat> the department, from the superintendency. Uh, all kinds we had about 30 or 40 at a time for two years saying, what's the un- secret in Ontario? So I won't belabor that except to say I was wrong and I was wrong for two reasons. One was it turned out that literacy and numeracy in high school graduation per se are not the goals you want to highlight and be obsessed with. That's a, that, that's not good enough uh, for reasons we can talk about. And the second is, Uh, The society has become more complex since 2013. And so, so much more complex that no strategy from the top is readily going to do make a difference. I can tell you what my conclusions are before we finish about what kind of strategy is necessary. But uh, what I thought was pretty clear in 2013, when we finished that work, just turned out to be the society pulled the rug from under us.
0: Yes. And and this short but very uh, provocative article, you talk about this well-being and learning together. And I think this is what you're hinting at is yeah. that uh, the science also supports the notion that education must recognize the role of emotion. Um, I feel, therefore, I learn. And um, that leads to this deeper learning that many of our districts are trying to integrate because so many districts are focused on well-being and mental health and they're being reactive to it building mm-hmm. and certainly you need social workers and you need layers of support on the back end but what about the front end in terms of what's happening with instruction could you elaborate a little bit on this concept of the 6 Cs and their connection through the pedagogy through um emotional well-being
1: okay so let's uh, just build a few things in here uh one is that um, when i write about the drivers and we can talk about those i said one of the wrong drivers is academic obsession and i mean obsession the obsession on grades on testing and and uh, getting to the best university absolute obsession and uh it it turns out that that's probably not the prime uh priority for the majority of students and their parents, actually. So we've got that as a kind of backdrop. And then when we get into uh, now the stresses of not only the, that uh, extreme emphasis on education, uh, academic education at all costs, you have then the complexity of society with COVID. It's just overwhelmingly too much. So I think what what's happening, happening is then it, it became, thanks to COVID, perversely, in a sense, well-being came to the fore. And that uh, what, when you look at it closely and you trace it back even 10 years, you find that well-being was hardly spoken about uh, by the majority of people right. 10 years ago. And it was taken as either a given. And then when people did worry about it, it was usually about ill-being. Some students aren't doing well. That's too bad. We better do something about that. But now, with thanks to the neuroscience, science, a common sense experience of living these days, Everybody realizes that well-being was, is, is the is the point, not not just curing Ill, ill-being, but really con- well-being in a complex society. Uh, you can't survive if you're not if you don't have that sense of uh, belonging, that sense of who you are, that sense of being able to be part of a group to make a difference. All of that you cannot survive without that. So this is really given us a centerpiece, and I think. Uh, I think in in some ways, this is really where the uh, uh, kind of uh, specificity comes into play these days, is that well-being comes roaring on the scene. And ironically, I'm going to say it this way, it could overwhelm learning because people are so occupied with well-being. That's what what they think of. That's the end end all and the be all. Well, uh, academic learning was never the end all and the be all. And well-being is some kind of abstract nirvana is not the end all and be all. Because learning, learning how to be uh, skilled in these complex societies, now we come to your question about the six C's. I mean, we have six C's, you have five, they're virtually identical. Uh, We have, uh, the six C's are the global competencies that individuals and groups and society need to cope and be very successful and be innovative for the future in uh, 2023. That's what they need. That's the, the primary goal is healthy, well-being people who are working away at complex problems with using the six C's as the leverage to get at it and immobilizing the interest and the skills of students, teachers, community, uh, uh, district and the policy set itself.
0: You know, and I think um... I know you would agree that teachers who are at the top of their game, they know this, that there is a connection between well-being and instructional pedagogy in the classroom. And it's about the stance of inquiry and problem-solving, applied learning, which leads to more engagement, which leads to, yes, uh, better numeracy and literacy, because you, you start like figuring out, hey, this is how I apply my content to problem-solving. And so many of us are, have it the other way around. We push that piece first before this other piece. Could you comment on the notion of learning loss and how, at least in the United States, we are, about, we are in the process of spending billions of dollars on learning loss around numeracy and literacy. And I, well, I, you know, I have my own opinions about that because I think that we are in the process of stigmatizing this generation.
1: Yeah. Well, I think uh, we've got it wrong, and, and you know that that as well, that I would say that uh, learning loss, almost by definition, is a deficit model. It says, yes. okay, there's a loss, we better fill it up. Right. Uh, and, uh, and it sounds strange to say it this way, but uh, academic learning for most students was never an intrinsic driver. It was never something I can't wait to do well in algebra. Uh, some people <laughs> know that, but not right. so many. And yeah. so, so it was never the big driver, but it's essential as part of the learning. So what you have to do is get the driver going. And the driver is my sense of well-being, my sense of concern that society is collapsing. It's collapsing climatologically, for sure. It's collapsing socially. Social trust is down, conflict. Everything is awry. So when that goes wrong, that's not. those are not academics. Academics are part of the solution, but they're not the underlying primary thing. And most students now, the good news is they want to make a difference. They want to be teamed up and linked in. And what you've done in, in Anaheim is really do that on a large scale, which I'd like to talk to in a few minutes. But uh, what you have is you've tapped into the intrinsic interest. And now they're going for the problems and they need academics knowledge. To be good at critical thinking, all the things that we should have had in the foundation, they're part and parcel of the implementation now. So this is a whole new reformation, and it's not normal for the organizational structure of most school districts. You have changed your organizational structure. You've changed the substance of what you've done. You've changed how you do it you everybody and you're almost everybody at the levels whether students or teachers or parents they can articulate what you're about as well as you can now because you've spent 10 years developing that
0: well thank you for that and i think this goes back to the the content of the strategy right the drivers yeah uh, because the drivers for too long uh, both of us would agree have been focused on sort of the wrong things um and you know people that that uh I'm sure you've had pushback. I certainly have pushback on these five, teaching the five C's or the six C's. Um, some people say, "Well, that's kind of fluff, <laughs> and um, that's uh, you're you're dumbing down the curriculum." How do you respond to that?
1: Well, I think I mean if you look at those five or six C's, I mean they're not exactly fluff, anyways, on any level. Any, I mean if you start to define. <laughs> Uh, collaboration or critical thinking or creativity how could that be fluff so it's not really fluff it's just kind of ways of people feeling uncomfortable Well, that doesn't seem to be the centrality that I grew up with so I think uh, i I think that uh, and you I mean all you have to do is look at what the students and teachers are producing in your case because we've seen it up close and you're doing this great job of disseminating it through this uh, series that you have uh, is that when you see it happening, when students are explaining it to parents or strangers, uh, it's it's it does blow you over because it's the it's the substance of things. So I want to hold them accountable to the quality of the products and you're doing it with your capstone projects. What you know, what are the, it is they produce and they stand for. So what the, we're doing a better, a better job now you are of capturing the outcomes than any test can do. You know that. And when you capture the outcomes, we're not talking about fluff.
0: We're very excited about that. And I think that this 6C language is actually the language that our business partners want.
1: Yeah. They see a big
0: uh, sort of uh, gap between, I would say, even K-16 in the world of work. Because we're talking about emotional intelligence, customer service, uh, that self-awareness I've had, we have 90 uh, corporate partners now, probably the most in California, and I've had an opportunity to talk to several CEOs who um, appreciate that we're making this shift. How, um, you know, again, you're at that 30,000 foot level, um, because the country now is grappling with this concept of quiet quitting, where uh, fact Gallup uh, organization has come out with a poll that shows 50 percent of American workers are quiet quitters, meaning that they're putting in the minimum time. And uh, a very large percent of that is uh, the Generation Z and millennials. So there's a a disconnect, I I think, between a student's purpose in calling, because it's not fully actualized in K-12 or K-16 systems, and the world of work where that, whether it's uh, business or nonprofit. Um, I think this is a, a, another way to frame what we're trying to do, Michael, to wake up uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the business community and the education community, because when you have a generation of quote, quiet quitters, that is going to be a huge threat to the economy and to this, Experiment called democracy in the United States. Would you like to comment on that?
1: Yeah. First, I want to go back. Uh, I'm a little bit uncomfortable when you tell me I'm at the thirty thousand level because um, you know, the you're at, you're we at, we at both our, levels. We yeah. find ourselves. In fact, I, I often say you've heard me say it. I'm sure that I, I say eighty five percent of uh, of what we're learning is is because of the specifics we're learning from the field. Uh, that's what I connected to you when I first saw you. So this is really, uh, um, this is grounded. It just happens to be trying to cover more more of the system. Yes. But it's right. definitely grounded. And I think this, uh, the quiet quitters or anything else like that, it's a sign of decay, obviously. Mm-hmm. The decay of the society. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yet, when you approach it differently the way you have, I would say that the students born, let's just say, since 2000. All of those students born since 2000 have grown up digitally, 100% of them, and they have they have a different attitude. They want to make a difference. They want they they know the world is troubled. They're going to live you know until the next century. A lot of them, so they're 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 di- they're chomping at the bit. But we haven't given them the outlet to be players. So you have to have students as change makers. They have to have the five or six Cs as their as their ammunition, they have to be doing things that cause uh, problems to be solved. There has to be individual development, collaborative or small group development and societal development. All of those are there and the students come alive. Not only do they come alive, they lead it. So the current students born since 2000, put them in an environment like Anaheim's high school district. They do not, they're not quite quitters. There's a, there's a dynamic word that's the opposite of, of, of that that will capture what they're doing they want to do way more than their individual well-being and learning they want the, the society to change they want the state to change they want they want they they know that change is needed and they're raring to have an outlet the combination of going at so if we unleash that if you just imagine the the social and economic resources that that group uh, re- represents that we have underutilized by tenfold because of the nature of the schools we've had, they will solve those problems with us pretty quickly. uh, Because once the momentum is there, it's like contagion. It's powerful. So, you know,
0: in the short term, the country is investing, California in particular, and and unfortunately, they do call it learning loss, uh, literally billions of dollars. What is your advice to districts and superintendents and how to approach that short term, those short term dollars.
1: I, I want to put it this way, that you also know that California has invested heavily in the concept of community schools. Yes. Right. So they said there's an ecosystem. The, the concept is there's an ecosystem here. You don't have schools here in society over there. You've got the community and the schools are all one thing. And this is what you this is why you're seeing the business connection, because you're defining Uh, learning uh, that the business uh, uh, community is part of the ecosystem, that parents uh, and uh, other parts of that. So I think the orientation is is right. That is the good news is now that uh, when you elevate community schools to that level, it's not just the community schools in terms of um, local mental health and poverty and shelter. It is that, but it's also the business community. And there's really lots of resources there. So I think we, we have the legitimacy from the policy to act on that you didn't need permission for any of the things you did and you didn't ask for permission uh, a lot of the things you did in the last 10 years so so we've got that now and then i think i think we'll just have to uh, i guess i'll say tolerate the learning loss uh language a little bit because that is a first priority for a lot of people you immediately think of what yeah well, look what we've lost we've lost a you know, a full year of of that. Look at all those things. So I think that's understandable. There's no reason why we can't uh, uh, cope with the learning loss language for the next two years while we build the more fundamental solution. You can do both at once. And we have to be reticent about the learning language loss, but there's nothing so bad about trying to boost up literacy and numeracy. That's fine. But we we better do these other things And, you know, strangely enough, literacy and numeracy takes off when you do the other things well.
0: Absolutely. And I'm um, I'm glad that you you have created a network of like minded leaders in education on the ground and people that are trying to uh, move forward despite a lot of the outside constraints of, uh, you know, the testing and all these other uh, accountability things. And like you say, it's not a necessarily an either or. You can go forward with the, the six C's and deeper learning and you're gonna get uh, better attendance, better graduation rates, all of the things that the uh, academic metrics measure. Um, and I do believe that we are, uh, as you do, as, at, at an inflection point. Um, and you, know, and you, you, know, you have the luxury, well not the luxury, you've put in so much hard work creating this network on the ground and at that high level. My, my next question is, do you think that there is a needle, as MLK would say, moving in the right direction? You've done this. You've spent your whole life on this. Um, and are we getting closer to a convergence and, and really catching that wave of reform?
1: I think we're getting closer, but we haven't. Uh, we haven't seen that needle move much in the last. Let's just take twenty twenty two. It hasn't because people have been reeling. They've gone, you know, gone for the learning loss. That's the prominent thing on their mind. So on that one hand, you can say that that it hasn't been uh, developing. Uh, but uh, we have been. Uh, 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 one of the things I would say is that a, a good byproduct of the uh, of COVID is that. Students and parents, for example, and teachers actually see a bigger world now than they did yes. four months ago. Yes. They, 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 they actually see the system in a way they've never seen it before. And so in our formulations about how to get the three levels going, there's more than three, but let's say local, community, uh, district, region and uh, state, uh, I, I've, I've reversed what I used to say. It's the same uh, attempt to get the system to go, but think of these words. I say we have to build the base, which are students and parents and community, that's one. We have to mobilize the middle to help do that, that's you. And we have to, and this is a new phrase I have, uh, it's a bit uh, playful in some ways, we have to intrigue the top. Just think of that, intrigue the top. And so I think the the top are the state leaders in this case. They're not all that comfortable with it, what they've been doing the last twenty years. It's not working. Lots of grief. All of that. They can't be enjoying themselves. So the top, I think, uh, has a has a, a, a potential. We have potential with the top, but we can't get the top to lead it. But we might get them to be enthusiastic about it as it unfolds. And this is why I would say uh, you're you're enjoying yourself. I have to say, Mike, you are enjoying yourself. <laughs> The, even these last 10 years, even these last three years, because you don't have to get permission from policymakers to do what you're doing. And they like it when they see it, I'm sure. So yes. this is, you're. we want many more of, of, of this kind of action where people don't wait for the top to get it right. That'll be that'll be doomsday. You start getting it right at the bottom and the middle. Start teaming up with some of the top that wants to do that. Don't worry about the top getting in the way because 90 percent of the time they don't get in the way. You can figure out ways where, they, where they're where they not a, a, you know, a kind of a, a drag on you. So, yeah, it's not very satisfying with it was smoother, but tolerate this uh, learning loss thing. Uh, don't panic about it. Make sure you do the more fundamental things, and they will accelerate. Uh, I, I'm not interviewing you, but if I were, I would say, have you noticed a momentum shift in the last 24 months compared to the previous three years prior to that? nothing to do with the pandemic just pick those five years have you have you seen greater ownership at the uh, this part of students teachers yes uh, community leaders yes. etc you have yes
0: it's really you know i'm uh myself because yes um, although people are tired coming out of this pandemic our our people there are huge there's a critical mass of teachers that are in the flow of teaching and learning yeah um, i uh I am so proud and impressed with the work that they're doing. Uh, and it's hard work, but they're loving it. You know, it goes back to being, in, you know, when you work on a lesson that has applied problem solving, the kids are just, you know, really focused on that. And you get very excited. You get a kid that finds their calling or finds their purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's just on fire about learning. And and that goes back to what you were saying earlier. The science is showing the connection between emotion and, you know, the, and and pedagogy, right. And that's going to lead to more engagement, which I wish more of our colleagues understood that because the teachers are ready to go. There's enough teachers out there. If we unleash the teachers, we can help change uh, the trajectory of this country. Uh, There's a, a colleague of yours is Raj Chetty from Harvard, uh, who talks about creating uh, the uh, ecosystems of innovation. Yeah.
1: You know, okay. In
0: regions, right? Because uh, and we can we can quadruple the number of patents in the United States. We need to we need to really unyoke the uh, the spirit of innovation in the United States, and that begins with unyoking the teachers.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know. I know a bit about uh, Chetty's work, and I think what he's done is carve out. The, when you put these things together, you get the results, and they've, they've got empirical examples of uh, of doing that. So I think it. I think there's a real chance at this time to, uh, to mobilize people because when you have, you get, you solve the teacher shortage problem all of a sudden. It seems. Because you do. You make it
0: more um, uh, an inviting uh, profession, as it should be. And I, I, in the closing minutes here, uh, I know that you're working internationally and um, you, you're having a, a convening that's coming up. Would you like to talk a little bit about that convening?
1: Yeah, we we have our deep learning uh, um, framework and you're doing, you're implementing and you're now a member with us. Uh, and we're in probably 18 countries with a lot of uh, groups like yours all over the place. It, it's not a critical mass because the world is big and 18 countries with a uh, 3,000 schools is a monster. But it's it's big enough. And we have every uh, 18 months or so our deep learning lab where we come together for uh, three days. And at the meeting are, are our members and outsiders, so to speak, people who aren't members, but they come probably half and half. So we happen to be h- holding it in Anaheim. April 17th to 19th, and this is where we are going to feature almost 80% of the presentations will be coming from the field, but you'll be presenting, I'm sure, and when, uh, and those are examples coming from the field where we have that chance to uh, consolidate, build up ourselves, our knowledge of the community, but also attract new- newcomers to it. I don't think that by itself will save the world, but I'm saying that there's lots and lots of people now Uh, that want to be mobilized, I guess, put it that way, really want to do this work. And as fast as something can go wrong, it can go right when when it starts to connect because social contagion is fast. It's fast on the bad thing. It's fast on the good things. And so we need to build this uh, social contagion. We're working quite a lot, as you know, I think in San Diego County, Forty-two districts, five hundred thousand students, huge. And the de- district county level, the superintendents, communities—they want to do something. They're moving. So I, I put a lot of. Uh, uh, I think California is probably the most potential, highest uh, excitement of, of of educators and others who want to do this. I can't think of any others around the world that are that uh, that are really that on the on the focus. Even the big. Uh, kind of performers like South Korea and, uh, and, and others that, that have uh, historically been ahead of the game, they have suffered from academic obsession because there's so much stress in the system to keep performing academically. And they're looking for alternatives as well. So I think we can help lead the world if we can combine this. And just one last thing, Mike, and, uh, if we take these key concepts, equity, equality, well-being, and learning, and you get those four things uh, pushing into, uh, I, I call it collide and collude. Uh, it's a really odd way of putting it. If you get them colliding and they collude in the best sense of uh, the positive sense of that word to do good things, you can get lots of uh, impact from, from that. Problem with equity, it's been siloed. The yes. reality is, if you solve equity, you solve almost every other problem. Right. You saw it's all it's all it's not just helping those that were disadvantaged. The whole system gets better. So this is uh, we've siloed equity. We have made well-being disconnect. Sorry, learning disconnected to well-being. You start to re, 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 redo those in a way that come together. Uh, I think that we will see the pedagogy and the focus on equity and the social well-being and the good of all. All wrapped up into the same solution
0: you know what uh michael i'm always uh love time with you because you're such of a amazing critical thinking partner that gives you a mirror you know you bring you're able to bring all the stuff together that's divergent into some coherence and convergence so um really thank you on behalf of so many educators and especially our young people. And by the way, what would be the one snippet of wisdom for our young people who listen to this?
1: Uh, I would say, uh, uh, go for it. That's, that's all I can say. It's not, it's not the end runs of the education system anymore like Greta Thunberg had to do. It's not that anymore. It's going for it internal to the system and change the system that you are in.
0: I love it, I love it. Okay, Michael and thank you so much on behalf of all of us for the work that you do.
1: Thank you for inviting me and I'm really glad we're at the beginning of our relationship. Next two years, three years are going to be fantastically interesting and I hope uh, we'll get some breakthroughs. Thank you, Mike, very much.